It's like going to church and opening a bag of chips. <laughs> 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 or the movie theater when you open up the drink that you snuck in. Mm-hmm. And wait for the previews to start. <laughs> 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 Not that I've ever done that. <laughs> It is episode three of Glass City Game Time, one of America's great sports podcasts, brought to you by The Blade. My name is Corey Christen. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode three. We are recording from The Blade's offices in downtown Toledo. Joining me today to my right is Ohio State beat reporter Kyle Rowland, to my left sports columnist David Briggs, and then to my immediate left sports editor Scott McNeish. Gentlemen, ep three, got plenty of football to talk about. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about Game Track. If you want to keep tabs on who's winning and who's losing in high school football, you got to be on Game Track. Presented by the Taylor Automotive family, Game Track, hosted on ToledoBlade.com, will give you all the local high school football scores as they happen. Don't worry about Aunt Lisa texting you. Don't worry about Uncle John calling you. You can go right to ToledoBlade.com, hit Game Track, and you'll get whatever score you're looking for right there instantly. To be on your game, visit ToledoBlade.com forward slash sports every Friday evening. And in case you missed a score, you can log on Saturday mornings for a complete look at who won each game. That is on Game Track. Gentlemen, NFL, Big Ten are the topics today. And first with the NFL, Briggs, in your column today that came out today, you talked about LeBron James, but you wanted to talk about the Lions. And Detroit falling 23-22 to Green Bay on Monday Night Football. Questionable officiating is the name of the game here yeah no absolutely and first of all i will give matt patricia credit he did not blame the officials he said you know you just like a boxer you can't leave it in the judge's hands you have to take control of the game and and um but at the same time i certainly do appreciate the frustration browns fans had a little bit of it on sunday certainly not to the extent of the lions on monday the crazy thing about the flowers hands to the face he had never been called for that penalty in all of his years and then to get on two critical third downs and then the the no pass interference call there late it absolutely I understand the thinking you know you you blew a lot of red zone opportunities you can't leave it in the ref's hands but that is literally a game where you can point to if they had made the proper calls the Lions win so I don't know what to think I mean the, the NFL has an officiating crisis um and it, it's weird because it's the same officials that they've had for all these years, and it just seems like it's contagious now, and it's it's somehow getting worse. So I don't I don't know the solution, but something has to change. I don't have the exact data in front of me, but it seems like when the league started taking initiatives for safety and the quarterback hits and checking for hits high and helmet to helmet stuff, that's when these penalties kind of started to have an uptick. And Scott, now more flags are being thrown than they ever were before. And my question is, has the officiating officially stolen the show from the players and what it's really supposed to be? If it hasn't, it's certainly getting there very quickly. It seems as though they have itchy flag fingers that any time it could remotely be close to a head injury, the laundry's coming on the field. And there were several instances of that Monday night. I, I think the NFL is in a tough spot because you have all this talk about the injuries and all this talk about CTE, and you have to try to protect against that. But on the other hand, you are taking away some of the grittiness and the violence that people actually like. 
so far they have not found a very good balance of that and, and i think games like this is going to bring that out a little bit more than maybe if there's just one here one there and then people just kind of talk about it when it's brought up to the forefront maybe they can find a solution but they're not even close and and the one thing i will say obviously there's no conspiracy against the lions or, or the browns <laughs> or any of these bottom teams like the lions fans were going crazy on social media but we'll say i mean the nfl is that something of a crossroads you know once fans once fans legitimately start questioning, you know, the integrity of these games and, you know, in frustration, they'll do that. And when, when we're getting all these calls that are questionable, I think they are at a, approaching a dangerous territory here where just the integrity of the entire league is going to be questioned. And once you lose that, you lose everything. Well, at one point, it was the joke of the town. If your team lost, it's because of a bad call or bad officiating or what have you. But now it's more so a fact than anything else. And, I mean, for the Lions, that's the difference, quite literally, between being in first place <laughs> at 3-1-1 one, and one, and then last place at 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. So I don't know if it's a thing the NFL has to clean up in-house, if it's a thing that's going to organically get taken care of, but you have to look at it from that kind of standpoint as now you're affecting, essentially, playoff implications are in there. There's a lot uh, into this. Kyle, I want to turn to you and get a little bit of perspective because you cover a lot of college football and you see players that are, you know, the elite, the 1% of 1% that get to the NFL. And those guys learn how to tackle properly, how to hit properly at a young age. But when they carry into college, some of these guys are getting essentially trained for the NFL. Do you see any of that leaking into the college game a little bit? That's an interesting question. And I, I actually think, I mean, tackling has just gotten worse and worse, I think, throughout the last, I don't know, 20 years, it seems like. I, I don't know how, how much of it is uh, psychological in nature, uh, especially with targeting and stuff like that nowadays. But, yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I think the biggest factor yeah. in the poor tackling is just you're not allowed to hit during practice. I mean, they're limited to yeah. once a week and limited periods at that. Back in the day, I mean, they were hitting and tackling every single day, two-a-days during camp, every single day during the week of practice. Now you might be tackling – I don't know, 10 or 11 practices during an entire, in the middle of a season. So, I mean, it's bound to. And it starts in high school. So yeah. then oh, they, it's, it's a, yeah. I don't know, a in trickle the up Ivy, effect, yeah. I guess. In the Ivy you League, say, I don't know if you're allowed to hit at they, all during the week. Yeah, they, yeah, I don't think they do. As easy it is to point the finger at officiating, is it fair to say that some of the players, it, maybe it's technique, maybe it's laziness. I don't know what it is. I'm not calling any of these NFL players lazy by Both. any means. But <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. is it some form of just proper execution of defending a pass or of getting around an offensive lineman i mean is it a mixture of both are the referees the only ones we can point the fingers at here i guess is what i'm saying i don't think that at all and i still think i agree with both of them have said i'm still kind of in a a period of let's see how the rest of the season plays out with the officiating uh I mean, obviously, the call in the NFC Championship game last year, we, we all know about that. And then the opening five, six weeks, however many weeks there have been in the NFL, have not been good for the officials. But I don't know. I was talking to Briggs about this the other day on the phone. Like, I kind of liken it to a player or a team. Like, the Patriots are known for starting slow. Like, players at times have bad stretches. Maybe the officials are just having a bad stretch in the final however many weeks aren't going to be a bunch of controversial calls. I mean, they are human beings too. And it certainly probably gets in their heads too. Oh, absolutely. You would think so. Yeah. I mean, social media, I think is another thing that has made, I mean, the technology of seeing everything so crystal clear on your TV screen. And then 
once everyone sees people complaining on social media about it, it's just a trickle down effect. And yeah. and even 15 years ago, when still had great technology, but probably half the camera angles, you probably don't have a camera angle that's right in there where right. you can see the hand to the neck instead of the face. And 25 years ago, nobody would have thought anything of that call. You would have just booed the refs just because you booed the refs. <laughs> but now you can see exactly what's uh, – I mean, it's easy to see. I mean, the guy's a – 70-year-old official <laughs> looking at uh, these games played at blinding speeds for, for any of us, and it, you can see the head get jerked back. And I, I don't know, yeah, you blame the official, but I don't know how you make that call, honestly. Uh, two things. Uh, I mean, number one, as bad as they've been lately, and, and the refs does, should be accountable and get the criticism or whatever, they are still really good Yeah, absolutely. because of the speed you talked about. And secondly... I forget what my second point was, but anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Well, I mean, we, yeah. we can't forget that in any professional sport, these umpires too, umpires, referees, officials, whatever you want to call them, are still 1% of 1%, just like the players are. You guys mentioned it. They're judging the game at a very quick pace, at a, at a snap of a you know flicker of a light. And whether it's in baseball calling balls and strikes, which there's talks about robotic umpires, it's never going to get to that in the NFL. But we understand that there's a human element to all of this. And I think maybe it's a little bit of both again, where there's the quality of officiating and they're missing these calls and maybe these referees aren't being trained properly, or there's a little bit that you could put back on the players to say, this is how you tackle properly, this is how you properly defend a pass in accordance with the guidelines of the NFL. My second point was, I don't think the answer is to just make reviews available on essentially every play. That, That is not the right way to go. No, I think that ruins it. Yeah. In a way. I mean, that's the beauty of, you know, like in baseball, for example, errors are part of a box score. Referees can mess up, but as long as they explain it, they take accountability for it. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that the fans are really irritated about is there's no accountability right. towards officiating. And that, yeah, and that's the one thing I will say. I mean, I've written a lot about the culture of officiating and, you know, trashed crazy sports parents and all of us adults who go crazy at, at you know, youth sporting events. It's completely different when we're talking about even, you know, high school or youth NFL, these guys are completely fair game. It's their job, be, first yeah. of all. I mean, they're getting I mean, big six-figure salaries. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is their job. We can absolutely pour as much criticism on them as we want. I guess you do risk, like, you know, kind of feeding into that blame the, uh, blame the ref mentality. But these guys do deserve scrutiny, and I do think they should be more accountable to the media. One more quick NFL-related note here. The Browns on a bye week this week, then New England at Foxborough, of course, out of the bye week. The lofty expectations for the Browns this year to not necessarily Super Bowl, but at least make the playoffs. They were fair, but right now, some may say they're slightly underachieving. So the main point I wanted to get here is Baker Mayfield versus Freddie Kitchens. Who deserves more eyeballs as the Browns kind of try to figure this thing out? I think I think it's both. I mean, Baker Mayfield has clearly regressed in his second year. The funny thing is, he actually has a lower quarterback rating than Daniel Jones, the guy he trashed in the off season. And then, uh, and then Freddie Kitchens, he's been. Uh, I mean, there's no other way around it. He's been a complete disaster. I mean, they're last in the league in penalties. They're. I think they lead the league in turnovers or, or right up there. Baker certainly leads the league in interceptions. Um, they've they've had two complete no-shows. They're, you know, they haven't won at home. I, everything points to a team that's just not ready to play each week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think, I think they both deserve blame, but obviously it's been a train wreck so far. I think Freddie deserves by far the most blame for everything Dave just said. I mean, it's just been an absolute disaster. It seems like the same old Browns every time they're predicted to be good, just a train wreck. 
I mean, the the undisciplined play, I think, has been awful. Uh, the performances at home, terrible. I mean, Baker obviously has not been great at all. It's just been very, very bad, especially in terms of the expectations. It's like he's coaching like a, a Madden game. Like they're up 2012 <laughs> with 90 seconds mm-hmm. left, and he's throwing into the end zone saying, oh, I want to score immediately, not use my all-pro running back, and I want to score immediately, then use all three timeouts, and then score again. When it. in reality, they throw it in, they get the end, uh, interception, and the game changes. Seattle scores, and and uh, but Freddie still has not been fired as of this taping, so... <laughs> not yet. Probably won't be throughout the end of the year. I no, don't know. No. I'm not making any nor, calls. Nor yet. should he. We want to reserve some time for college football, and I didn't reserve much time, unless something like to the tone of BG versus UT from last week. Ohio State does have a football game this week. It is at Northwestern Friday night, and in case those of you listening didn't hear, the game got moved for television purposes. It's now in the Big Ten Network. And not on Fox. Fox programming forgot apparently there was an ALCS and that they acquired the rights to WWE's Friday Night SmackDown. So 8.30 this this week on Friday from Evanston, Illinois, Ohio State at Northwestern. And Kyle, looking at the Buckeyes here, I feel like they're getting a lot of run as one of the top teams in the country. But I think they're not getting enough credit and enough discussion as being the best team in the country. Do you feel the same way? No. I mean, there's a decent amount of national people who have said they think they're the best team. I don't know. I mean, part of that, they got basically no coverage last week since they didn't play. So I think you kind of get lost in that shuffle, especially when, you know, LSU had a great win over Florida. Oklahoma was very impressive over Texas. Um, But I I mean, I don't feel like they're they're being downplayed at all. If anything, I, I mean, I feel like they've gotten maybe more respect than than I'm used to. I think the not having Urban Meyer does change some of the national people's opinions of Ohio State. He wasn't a super popular guy with a lot of the national media. It seems like Ohio State's more of, not a darling, but definitely seems like a more liked and respected program this season. I don't know if Dave feels the same way or not. Maybe but. to that end, but I also think if they were if they were blowing teams out at this rate with Urban Meyer, there might be a perception that they're even better. But yeah, no, it's, it is interesting. I, I actually had Ohio State number one in my AP poll last week, dropped them to number two just, just to give LSU the credit for having two top ten wins. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Ohio State, I've covered Ohio State off and on since 2005 and certainly followed them for much longer than that. And I think maybe since 19, the 1998 team, I, I honestly think this is their most complete team. I know it's only halfway through the season, but when you look at just the way they're rolling in every area, the run game, the pass game, the, the defense, I don't know, Kyle, do you think this is – have you seen a team this complete since 1998? Yeah, I mean, maybe the 2016. But, yeah, I mean, I think ni- 98 is the one I, I've pointed to as well. And I just see – no scenario this week of the game being close. Everyone wants to try to compare it to Purdue and Iowa the last couple of years. Northwestern is absolutely terrible. And Ohio State has a really elite defense this year. So, therefore, I, I just don't see how it's even close. Number four, Ohio State at Northwestern. They're one and four. That's Friday, 830 on the Big Ten Network. Gentlemen, before we get out of here, any uh, final thoughts? I take Ohio State to cover the 28-point spread and Penn State to cover against Michigan. We also took (laughs) UT to cover last week, so I guess anything. (laughs) It's true, it's true. Kyle, any (laughs) final thought? 
My final thought is, I guess it's not necessarily a thought, but I am very fascinated to see what happens in the Toledo Ball State game this week. Oh, I am too. I want to see how UT responds yeah, after yeah. that. I, I was going to say something to the tune of that. It's that UT, they played probably the worst football game that at least I've heard of them playing over the last, what, five years? Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. So how do they respond this week coming off of that loss at BG? It'll be cliched interesting to see. Gentlemen, thanks for the time. Thanks for the patronage. Thank you for the insight. Those of you at home, thank you for listening in. One more time before we get out of here, got to remind you about Game Track. If you want to keep tabs on who's winning and who's losing in high school football, be sure to check out Game Track, presented by the Taylor Automotive family. Game Track, it's hosted on ToledoBlade.com. We'll give you all the local high school football scores as they happen. I mentioned it earlier. Don't wait for Aunt Lisa. Don't wait for Uncle Bob. Don't wait for Cousin Jeff to text you about the game that they're at. Go online, ToledoBlade.com forward slash sports every Friday evening. In case you missed the score, you can go on Saturday mornings and get the complete look at who won each game on Game Track, presented by Taylor Automotive Family. So, for sports editor Scott McNeish, columnist David Briggs, Ohio State reporter Kyle Rowland, and technical producer Phil Kaplan, my name is Corey Christen. Thank you so much for listening. We are out.